0: Hello and welcome to Beards on Broadway. Let's start the show. <laughs> And welcome to our podcast, Two Beards on Broadway. My name is Chris and I am one of your hosts. And alongside me is my friend Matthew. Say hello. Hi everyone, I'm Matthew. Yeah, well, I mean, I already said that. Um, And and we're going to be talking about musical theatre, everything musical theatre. We're going to be looking at some of the most famous... Uh, musicals that have ever been produced, and some not so famous, some obscure ones, throughout the coming months and time that we do the podcast, Um, and we will be giving our thoughts, our reviews on the songs, the biggest hits, the cast, everything in between about those productions. So, Matthew, why don't you introduce yourself, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing fantastic, thanks. Um, Loving spending every
1: single day in the house and not doing very much. Um... Yes, I'm sure everybody else isn't going completely mad. Um, <laughs> so a little bit about me. I am a musical director, um, currently working on a production of Calamity Jane, um, which will open at the Joseph Roundtree Theatre when lockdown is over.
0: Well, that's a cheeky little bit of a plug there to buy tickets.
1: Absolutely. You I know. If you're in the Yorkshire area, you might as well come along, actually.
0: Yeah, good, good idea. Matthew's a very talented musical director indeed. He uh, he was, oh, he was you. Well, you were a musical director on a production that I was in, weren't you, Matthew? So. Yes. Well, yeah. indeed. And, and he's produced the jingles, so the jingle to our opening that you've heard and the rest of the jingles that you will hear throughout the podcast are all produced by Matthew. <laughs> thank you very much. No problem. <laughs> okay, so a little bit more about the podcast before we actually kick off with our first musical. Um, so... During the podcast we are going to have some fun segments for you to get involved in uh, at home. We have got a little bit of a quiz coming up and that will be about halfway through our show. Um, We have got what we call our roll call segment where we will choose the best cast and rank them and maybe put in suggestions about who we think should play some of the roles in the productions that we look at. Um, We will also choose our favourite song in another segment and finally we will be reviewing musical and we will give it a rating but it's not a normal rating we have our own ranking system which involves seats, so I guess you'll find out about that later um, so, Matthew having a laugh there um, I know Absolutely.
1: Put,
0: <laughs> yeah I know, we can't do it it's a musical theatre podcast, you can't be normal absolutely yeah everyone yeah. in musical theatre is a little bit <laughs> loony so we, um, this week our Chosen Musical is the one, the only, Les Miserables. Absolutely, it is. Absolute classic. Can you agree on that, Matthew? Oh, absolutely. It
1: is one of the defining shows of musical theatre, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those ones... We were, we were talking the other day, actually, and we were just kind of having a brief discussion about it, just thinking, you know, what we're going to say. And... Um, we, I think we, we kind of said we should do a podcast. Well, yeah, we said we should do a podcast for one, um, and hence why we're now here. Um, but we also said it's kind of like the staple, isn't it? A lot of people look to Les Mis as yeah. the how-to. I think is what you said. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: it it is one of the hallmarks of musical theatre. Um, everybody is always competing with the popularity and the show. Is
0: Lame Is because how could you not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is, it's fantastic. But we, I don't want to keep just, you know, us telling, us telling them how uh, amazing it is for now because obviously we're going to go through a bit more detail on the play and we will dissect yeah. it for you so you get to understand what Lame Is is about, what are the themes and ideas in Lame Is, is it good, is it bad, what songs are good or bad. Um, and I've just said good or bad too many times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, why don't we uh, Do you want to try and explain Matthew A bit of the context of Les Mis? You know, The setting What it's, yeah. what it's
1: around okay. um, So Les Mis is based on The novel by Victor Hugo um, Written quite a while ago but then brought to the stage By the music of um, Claude Schoenberg It follows the story of Valjean Basically As he was a prisoner for stealing a loaf of bread in his words and in the words of the antagonist he stole a loaf of bread but then tried to escape a good few times so he should have been in prison (laughs) Um, and basically it follows him as he goes on his redemption arc basically trying to make up for what he did
0: yeah, and obviously. Specific, so that yeah, a, uh, no, that, that's pretty good. I mean, there's um, obviously really that good. the overarching theme of the French Revolution as well. That's kind of it, yeah. it, that's the kind of the core setting where it's at. Um, but well, I think no, it's not the French Revolution. Don't you, it's the students' revolution. Correct. Yes, yeah, so it's not the French Revolution. It's not although what actually worked. Yes, although people say it's the French Revolution, it's not the the official French Revolution no. that me or I or anyone else at home would know. Um, i the context I mean, France is one or two of these. Yeah. Besides besides any of that, as basically sorry, it's in France, there you go. So it's, it's set in yeah. France, there you go. So you've got a little bit of more of an understanding now about the setting <laughs> about some of our main characters, Jean Valjean and, and Javert. Um yeah. and I thought the best place to always start with any production is the opening. Isn't it really? You know, the opening, yes, absolutely. A, a good production has got to, in its opening, it's got to entice you, it's got to make money, really make you watch more, but it's also got to give you enough information that you can understand what's going on with the plot, it's got to introduce the themes <laughs> that are going to be in the play. So the opening is very, very important, and I think Lame is, when it kicks off with Look Down um, as that opening song, yeah. I think just slams right away, straight away. It gives you the Javert and Jean Valjean relationship it gives you the big choral numbers that are coming in the rest of the show um and it it just straight away puts its mark on that this is going to be a musical that is going to be powerful it's going to have really strong themes and ideas in it um and you're going to enjoy it and you want to watch more
1: absolutely it does Uh, as you say basically you hear it with the uh, jingle that we put in today. Those first two chords, bam, bam. it is so powerful. The lower brass hitting out, and uh, I went mentally. I've seen it a few times before, but um, saw the Michael Ball and Alfie Bowe version, and those two chords as they hit out, you saw the audience go, ooh, because <laughs> it is so powerful. And then you've got the prisoners coming on. They uh, sing, uh, look down, as you were saying, and it's about the hardship of being in French prison at the time and how horrific their lives are. And then you get
0: the one that Javert up here, <laughs> yeah who is
1: oh, just one of the best characters ever written
0: in. <laughs> he's a very, he's a very um, complex character, I think, Javert. I think as as we go on, I hope yeah. we kind of discuss that because. He, he's meant to be the villain, but I actually think at yeah. some points you kind of feel a bit of sympathy for him, really.
1: Mm. I certainly do, because you
0: kind of get the feeling
1: he's just doing his job, and he's, don't me you wrong, know, very good and thorough at his job, which you can decide for yourselves whether his job is one that is just and right, but. In his eyes he is just doing his job and protecting the people he serves.
0: Yeah, he, he, he does what he, he believes to be right, or what he's told to think is right. I mean and, and that's the kind of the, the relationship yes. that's been um, straight away and looked down that is introduced is that you've got Jean Valjean who has this kind of his own morals and what he views as is right and wrong and that actually sometimes what people might say is wrong is actually all right in certain contexts. And it, it depends where your heart's really at. As Javert is very much, you know, the the letter of the law is the law. I am the law, and the law is not mocked. Um, is one of his <laughs> great, li- great lines in in, in, um, in a song that he does. And it's beautiful, beautiful. But he's got this such high hold of the law that it has to be done word for word. And Jean Valjean just doesn't have that. Yeah. Um. How, it, it's why you get such an interesting
1: dynamic between the two because basically they have almost
0: opposite views of the world. Yes. Yes, they do. I mean, another another thing that uh, another part of the uh, opening that I think is absolutely just sets the bar straight away is um, "I Dreamed a Dream." I think that song. Yes. I mean, to me personally, I'm a little bit sick of it because everyone now sings it. Um, especially after, especially after good old Subo No, I mean I don't like singing this song at all. My granddad used to always want me to sing this song to him, and I was like, no, it's it's a woman's song, granddad. I don't sing this. All right. um, but it's 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 a beautiful piece of music, and it just it it's very much, I think the for me it's like the flagship of the opening that really hammers in that this is going to be emotional. Nothing, not everything's going to go right everything's going to go right at all um, and y- y- do not expect anything it will surprise you the whole musical is about twists and turns and surprising you and what you think is going to happen isn't going to happen and it's not afraid to tackle big, big things like prostitution and, you know, big ideas, big themes things that are a bit maybe taboo or whatever, politics, whatever they... Late Miz isn't afraid to take on these big themes. Um, and I think I Dream the Dream absolutely sets that tone perfect. What do you think, Matthew? Well, I, I agree with you there. Um, I Dream the Dream is a beautiful,
1: beautiful song, but it's one that is always carried by the ability of the actress. Basically, she needs to be able to, in kind of, what, two verses. Change from hope and lightness and everything that you would expect to be in your kind of typical leading lady to oh my god, life is cruel and hard and nothing works the way it should.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. There's a lot, oh, that song in particular is so much, there's so much, the, the impact of that song. So much relies on the actress themselves. You're absolutely right. I mean I, I saw it in the West End and I, I remember seeing it in the West End and I thought it was a good version. It was it was very, very good. Um uh and I won't say who I saw sing it because she may appear later on in the in uh, the in the in a, in a quiz. Uh, so I can't say exactly yet who, who played it. Um actually I don't think I don't think she was actually playing it, so uh, I probably could say but I, i'm not sure i can't re- actually remember the questions i wrote so I, I'll, I'll avoid saying who, who i think it was for now and um but what i will say is it didn't really hit it for me i don't think she oh, yeah, really okay. got she got that emotion across that real. i mean for me and i hate to say this um and we're going to talk a lot about i'm sure in certain segments the film Right, because obviously they tend to The only song in that whole film that I actually think is better than the version I saw live in the theatre, the only one song is this song, I Dreamed a Dream. I thought Anne Hathaway just captured that raw emotion of this song beautifully. Fair enough, yeah, and uh, to be fair, she did a good job of it. I must admit, I have seen better versions, but... Anne Hathaway's version
2: was not a bad one in the slightest I've seen many far worse versions of that song Um, the joys of working with youth theatre oh oh,
0: of course (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't do that anymore (laughs) yeah get get a young kid who's about 10 years old to try and sing bring him home no thank you no thank you hey I mean before his balls have dropped he might be able to hear the notes (laughs) that's true (laughs) I uh, just to hate little amdrams. I actually saw an Amdram before, but it wasn't Lay Miz. Um it was a different one. It was um it was rent actually. And it was it was uh, oh, okay. uh how to describe terrible in five different ways. Terrible, crap, <laughs> rubbish, shit and uh wank I'll go for as the five descriptions of that musical. Uh it was pretty partic- yeah. It was it was it was it was not good. It was not good. anyway, back to Lamies. Let's let's go back to Lamies. Um talk in the opening, I think actually, um obviously um there's a couple of really big songs with Jean Valjean in the opening as well, post obviously look down the start. You've got The Confrontation which yeah. love, absolutely love, and Who Am I as well. Who am I I think is a beautiful oh. piece of music. Um and that yes. note at the end is something else. Yeah.
1: It, the way that uh, Schoenberg has written it, it, uses a lot of light motifs, these recurring themes and Who Am I is a classic example of this because you've got it in the prologue you have it as his own song you have it in his yeah. you have it uh, at the very end of the show and it is <laughs> this identity theme almost and it is perfect, it's the theme of decision making almost Yeah. And it is such a beautiful song every time that you hear it even though it's so different one that I really like from the prologue and gets overbooked by a lot of people but it's the interaction between Valjean and the priest
0: yes the priest yes
1: yeah and I think that is a beautiful moment uh, particularly on behalf of the priest Because Valjean just stole it from him. And when the guards bring him to the priest to basically get testimony, he says, No, um, I gave this to Valjean. Um, It's all his, and he's going to use it to make a better life. And then as the guards go off, he says, "Uh, Remember this, my brother, I have bought your soul for God. And that moment haunts Valjean for the rest of the two
0: hours of the show. Yes, yes, and it does. It's yeah. It's such an important bit of the show that
1: is always overlooked because the rest of it is just so grand, and this is such a small moment. Yeah,
0: no, I can agree with that, and I mean, I, 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 absolutely love that scene with the priest. And you're right, it does play on his mind a lot, and you don't really think about that. I mean, I hadn't really thought about that when we were, when I was thinking, of, you know, about talking about Les Mis, I, like, I hadn't really thought about that that scene in the priest because it is really important actually in Valjean's whole yeah. story arc yeah absolutely because um, to go through the rest of the show very quickly
1: Valjean leaves uh, the priest with his um, gifts shall we say yeah. um, and does make a better life for himself um, he starts a factory and becomes mayor in a small town um, this is where Fantine comes into the story He ends up traveling to Paris after that and doing quite well for himself there. And that's where the revolution starts. And at the end, obviously, you have Valjean's death. But all the way through, basically you've got another two pivotal moments. And one is where Fantine makes a deal with God and one where Valjean makes a deal with God. Yes. you've got Fantine praying for her daughter Cosette that she will be okay and basically trading her life for Cosette's. and you have Valjean trading his life for Marius's to bring him home Yeah. and I do think because of that first interaction with the priest they have that, that line kind of shapes the rest of the show and Valjean's belief of what's going on Hence, he does end up making the deal to save Marius.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's that There's and that I, big religious theme in there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And whether it's a supernatural explanation in a fictional
1: book or whatever like that, I do think a part of the character is, I need to make a deal with God.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's a great, great little insight into Les is actually. It. It's something that if you... You watch it for just one time whatever you may not actually see into it um the, yeah, actually the yeah. importance of the relationship of the characters with god and how their experiences with god and with religious figures obviously the the, the, the uh the bishop whatever um influences yeah. those characters and um it's almost like god god is also a representation of someone who can um Manipulate love in a way, really. He, he, he can he can use him to do what you want with love. It's a very deep theme we're getting into now, though. About about Lane <laughs> is g- <laughs> symbolising God as a god of love. I mean, we're going a bit too far, yeah. I think, <laughs> uh, off the track. Yeah, well, we're
1: bringing in Aphrodite, yes, we probably are. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, well, uh, the relationship between the characters and God, as you say, is a complex one. Um, you have got uh, people like Javert who in almost kind of a more stalwart way, kind of represent that kind of firmness and the anger behind maybe Mm. the Old Testament God, whereas the more forgiving nature is really what Valjean is playing against.
0: Yes. So you could look at it that way as well. Yeah, I like that actually, that's a really good insight because if you think about it, that obviously the bishop, when he takes the... um, all the pots and everything from him and steals them all and then he says no they belong to you um yeah that's a very forgiving thing to do um Mm. and Valjean is very much you know he stole this bread but he's like it was you know he needed it um yeah and uh, he was desperate he had no money and uh and he yeah. kind of justifies that and he begs for forgiveness he's all about forgiveness As Javert is the law is Absolutely. the law. everything is written as it is and it's very much I can see that kind of Old yeah. Testament yeah. New Testament kind of vibe going on in, in the writing
1: yeah um, and I mean Valjean's motive for stealing that bread is always stated whether it's true or not it's always stated as being to save his sister's son yes which again is an act of love and
0: it backfired, and we don't find out how that ever went. Yes, or we don't, we don't we find out what happened to his sister well. or son. Yes, yeah, exactly. No.
1: That's a... well, it is an interesting one because mm. religion does play a massive part in that show.
0: Yes, it does. It does indeed. i tell you what, another thing that comes into the show, another big theme in there, uh, and this, this really is kind of exposed, first of all, uh, um, at the end of the day do another day dawning, yes, is poverty, mm-hmm. poverty, poor uh, absolutely yeah uh, and that's a huge theme within lamie's uh as well that's in there alongside religion is people living rough, not having money that it was difficult at times um and that kind of mirrors that kind of whole narrative that we were just talking about about um Jean Valjean, you know, when he was struggling, and he stole a loaf of bread. And at the end of the day, it introduces Absolutely. you to this this world, this this setting in France, where people are poor, famished. They have no food. They're hungry, yeah. Yeah. and they have they have they have no yeah. money. Um, and it's 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 a yeah, really good really introduction to that. Time. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, because
1: one of the main main themes for everybody except it seems Valjean and Javert is basically they are starving on the streets and there's massive injustice
0: well Marius as well, Marius is fine elite. Marius is
1: fine but he's one of the educated elite. he is yes. in that rich class fighting for the poor
0: yeah and they do kind of question why does he actually turn up in, on this barricade, he, why, he doesn't belong absolutely. there he's not one of them it's kind of yeah. how, they, yeah, how they go to him yeah
1: But it was a part of the students' revolution, as it was nicknamed. Um, You had these very educated people who
0: basically saw the state of the world and said, "This isn't good enough." They're quite young as well, aren't they? Young men. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, they're like nineteen. But they're blaming the rich aristocracy
1: for the situation, and rightly or wrongly, they end up causing this. Uh, very small um, shall we say incident because revolution may not be the right word yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah spoilers it doesn't go very well for them <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but you do get that kind of B plot there which very much focuses on the social aspects rather than the religious and the moral aspects that Valjean and Javert are focusing on
0: Yes, you do. You, there's a lot, there's a very um, political undertone to *Lamez*, is, but it's not a political undertone that I think a lot of things that have been done recently, especially if you look at TV or film, um, they they take these political undertones and they slam them in your face and you can't avoid them. *Lamez* yes. does it beautifully. It's very subtle. It's not, it's, it's not, I say it was a big theme, but it's not the pinnacle of the musical. It's not about them being poor. It's more about what they stand for. It's about the characters being who they are, and us relating to those characters in the scenarios and in the, the problems that they face as human beings. And it, it, what yeah. it actually tries to do is humanize the poor. It, what what it's really trying to do is make it go, well, actually, look, they're just like us, and they're just struggling and being treated, treated wrongly. Um, and that's yeah. what it does really effectively um, through music. Absolutely,
1: yeah. And again, you have various light motifs that come in for these, not not for the characters, but for the ideologies that they are representing. Uh, One of my favourites is uh, Gavroche in Little.
0: Ah,
1: yeah, Gavroche basically takes on this uh, narrator role for the audience. Um, You get basically you get a repeat of at the end of the day, just in a different city. Yes. Focusing on different things, and it's Gavroche that tells the audience what's going on. And he's like a nine, ten year old kid yeah. with this wild understanding of the way the world works. Um, he doesn't quite understand that it can change or what the implications of what he's getting involved with are. No, but yeah. he has this understanding of what's going on probably a lot better than most of
0: the characters yes. in the show. To be fair um, though, I think that actually his naivety to the risk of what's going on is actually exacerbated by the rest of the characters involved in this small scale revolution that um, yeah. is happening. They don't actually realise the risk or consequences to what could happen to them. Um, no. He's certainly Angel uh,
1: the leader of the revolution whips everyone up oh, into a I love frenzy. that character I love him he's... Fa- he's fantastic <laughs> yes, he, he is. is the Shea Guevara of <laughs> the show um, he's, he's so charismatic and well done and I've never ever seen a bad performance of an on
0: no like the,
1: the character is one that everybody doing it really takes seriously and just sinks their teeth into
0: yes and
1: I love Every
0: moment that Enjolras is on stage, it is brilliant. Yeah, he's got this this um, presence about him when he's on the stage that you know he's a leader. Yeah. that you know he's and he's yes. still young himself, but you know he's a leader, and you know that when yeah. whenever he sings as well, anything he sings has power, has real meaning. Yeah. in the narrative, absolutely. It's, it's he doesn't have many kind of I won't call them throwaways, but many kind of lovey dovey moments. It's this is our mission, let's get it done. Um, yeah, and it's he's a very strong character in in Les Mis, he is, and he, in a way, because obviously you have the relationship
1: between, particularly, um, three of the students, the revolutionaries, which are Enjolras, mm-hmm. Marius, and Grantaire. Yes. Um, you have a very well defined, almost jokey relationship between those three characters and it's clear that they are very good friends outside of what they're currently doing but they are very much brought together
0: by this and when Marius is kind of having his doubtful moments and very much focused on this
1: girl he met four minutes ago and yes. now he's in love and with and now he's got heart full of love <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> but Anjuraz kind of pulls him back down to earth yeah. and makes it clear they are here for a higher purpose yes. that their, their little lives don't count at all as he yes. says yeah. um, he he is there to achieve something and will do what it takes to get it done and in, in a way he is a big brother or a father figure to most of them because he has a more mature Attitude, even if it isn't one that works out at the end for him. But the rest of them all look up to him as a leader, but he does interact as a leader should with them and pulls them back together when they're breaking
0: apart. Yes. I think, I think he's an absolutely fundamental character for the plot and fundamental for Marius's character. Um, and Marius is a character I'm sure we'll talk about in the rest of the podcast. But I think we're getting towards Halfway. And halfway means it's time for our special segment uh, called... Oh, my God. It's the Interval. (sighs) So, it's It's the Interval. It is time for our halfway through our podcast quiz. It's the Interval will feature different questions depending on the musical and what we feel like. This week's It's the Interval (laughs) will have... Finish the Lyrics and a who-am-I round as well, so... And then we will have a guess the character, Chris, won't we? Of course, guess the character, because Matthew has decided to test me on my Les characters, which I am (laughs) dreading. I have, yes. Okay, so we'll start off with a bit of a quiz for Matthew. He's got five questions. Let's see how well he can do. Play along at home. Um, And we will start off with three finish-the-lyrics questions. Okay, so... I think, right. um, in order to give you a slight chance, I will try and sing these as best I can. If you can't get them, oh. I've, got a little, I've got a little bit of a hint for you as well, okay? So question number one is as follows, the mark, his death is the hour of fate, the people's man. <laughs> and what comes after that? Okay. The we always... Is correct. So that's one point right there. Nice and easy starter, I At thought. End. Okay, number two is this. Drink with me today. come by. To the no, songs. no, no, no. Ready? Hang on, hang on. Sing with me. Oh. And what comes after that? <laughs> i think he's nailed that one as well so that's two to matthew absolutely doing a cracking job so far okay third one i'm here that's all i need to know and you will keep me safe Well, there you go. That's three out of three on finished lyrics. I hope you did well at home. So those were from ABC and Red and Black, Drink With Me and A Little Fall of Rain. So I hope you did uh, r- all right with those at home. Have you got any finished lyrics questions, Matthew? Or... Um, I yeah, must admit, I haven't thought of any finished That's lyrics That's fine. Questions. We'll move on. Let's keep all testing then. Matthew on his Who Am I, then. So <laughs> this round, I have got some prompts for Matthew. It will describe a person... Not a character who has played a role in Lame Matthew must guess who the person <laughs> is. Okay, so your first one for you at home and for Matthew is this I am the original Javert. I put. Po- oh, Jacques Mercier on the French concept album. Uh, hang on, I've not finished yet. I am the original oh, sorry. Javert in the West End. Yeah. I, uh, okay. uh, I play Peter Mannion, in the thick of it, and oh, and gosh. I also played Ilyro Mapartis in Game of Thrones. Who am I? Me? Yes, he was in Game of Thrones. Uh, I might have to go rewatch it because I don't remember that. Uh, it's
1: Roger Allen.
0: It is Roger Allen indeed. If you got that at home, congratulations. That's quite a hard one, that. He was in Game of Thrones, yeah?
1: I must admit, I must It's a very admit, minor role. I got that from the, uh, Peter
0: Mannion. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. got to love a bit of the thick of it. Okay, so the second... My, oh, absolutely. My second Who Am my question and my final question for you at home is this. I made my debut as a young Ebonine in 2001 at the age of nine. I then became the only British actress to play the younger and older Ebonine when I took the role from Daniel Hope in 2013 at Queen's Theatre, hang on. In 2020, I will be Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella in his new production, Cinderella, Who Am I? Uh, Carrie Hope
1: Fletcher, is
0: isn't it? And it is indeed Carrie Hope Fletcher. So if you've got that at home, Trans- if you've got all of those <laughs> at home, congratulations, you're on five out of five. Go on then, Matthew, <laughs> what have you got for me? Right, okay, so I've
1: got a couple of questions. Um, We're going to start off slightly easier and I'm going to describe the character and you're going to hopefully name them.
0: Okay, so he's going to describe a character and I'm going to never have heard of them. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, the first one. Yep.
1: I appear in the show roughly halfway through the first half. I am one of the students. I am good friends with Angel and I have a love interest.
0: Oh, this is, um, oh.
1: My name is Cazette.
0: Oh, it's Marius. Yeah. Well, I thought it could have been one of the other ones in Red and Black and you tried to go really, really obscure.
1: You know when I said I'm starting easy?
0: Well, I didn't know how easy easy meant. <laughs> okay, it should have been pretty easy for you, but well done.
1: Thank you. Um, So, um, the next one I'm going to go for is... I... (laughs) I was portrayed by Helen Bowen Carter in the movie. I like a drink and wish my husband was anyone else.
0: This is absolutely Madame Tenardier.
1: It is, yes. Good man.
0: Yes. Okay,
1: so... Now we're going to get slightly more obscure. Oh dear, here we go. Um, no, it's okay, you've only got two left. Okay. Okay, so you're doing well. Um, right. <laughs> I am also one of the students. Yeah. I have a little brother, Gavroche. Oh. I, in drink with me, start to question what we're doing. Ooh. And realise... I am terrified
0: about the prospect of my own death. Oh. One of the students canvasses your little brother and you realise you're terrified of your own death. Oh. Yeah. I must confess, I think I can visualise the character, but his name is escaping me. Okay, well. I will sing you some of the lyrics. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> give me a second.
0: Ho- hopefully, this gives me some kind of a clue. Maybe you've already got it at home. Uh, fingers house. crossed. If you've already got it at home, congratulations, you're doing better than I am. So, this is a solo in Drink With Me Drink With Me, two
1: days, come by. can it? to die Will the world remember you when you fall Could it be your death means nothing at all It's your life Just one more lie
0: It's not come to me It's not come to me, I'm going to have to pass
1: Oh, okay It's gone fair
0: of course it's grand terror. Yeah, it, Chris. Rush. that's
1: rather okay, embarrassing. Next one, and this one I do think is the most obscure of the questions. Oh so man, I've on. not
0: got much chance on this one then have I.
1: No. Okay. Yeah. I only appear in the first half. Oh, okay. I
0: I get into a scuffle with Fontaine. Yeah. I accuse her of attacking me. Oh, this is. Uh, appears. Oh. And I single-handedly ruin her
1: life. Well, the second time.
0: Yes, this is the um, this is the, the sailor who comes in and uh, tries to. Oh, he's a sailor. He's n- Oh, what's he called? Um. He's not on about the captain. Your captain, nope, I am not. Give me the clues again.
1: Okay, I'll try and remember what I said. Yeah. I only appear in the first half.
0: Yeah,
1: I falsely accuse Fontina of attacking me and rat her out to do
0: bear. It's, it's not, it's definitely the sailor the, um the like No, that. it isn't. No. Oh, or is he some kind of lord or something? Some posh guy. It's definitely someone posh. He's, he is a posh guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's the uh, posh... he's one of the dandies. Yes, he's. um Oh. I mean, if I couldn't get Grantaire then I'm definitely gonna... not. This this guy's name is not coming anywhere anytime soon. Well, okay. Final clue. Later
1: on. Also, is part
0: of Thunardier's gang to, when they plan to rob
1: uh, the
0: Rue de Is he? Yeah. Well, you've lost me now completely. It's the
1: posh one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. the
0: of course. Yeah. Wow, that's a hard As one. As I say, that is obscure. Yeah. Wow. Right. I um, mean, I, I true. But yeah. Hey, I'll take I'll take a two. I mean, the two I got were pretty easy. I was. A bit sad i didn't get grunt hair <laughs> but you know we can't win everything um no i i i did mention him
1: earlier in the podcast so i was wondering
0: if yeah i thought help you out well today. to be fair you mentioned him and then i thought no way is he gonna just bring him up again and then i was <laughs> yeah, and then you did oh bloody that <laughs> god damn it right okay so that is our it's the interval i hope you enjoyed that that's our quiz that we happen every week uh, let us know what you scored at home either comment below or send us a message um, and let us know how you did um, and we will hopefully you did better than I did anyway um, I'm only up to um, so um, we are going to move on and uh, we are going to continue with our talk about Les Mis for a little while and then we're going to go on to another little fun section that we've got lined up for you um, So. Um, Obviously we talked about the opening for a little while And some of the big themes that go on And I think it's about time Having had the interval Either side of Les Mis' interval in the production Are some of the biggest Most well known hits From Les Mis We are talking about um, Do you hear the people sing One Day More Red and Black These huge big band numbers um, And aren't they just fantastic They're big band numbers Aren't they fantastic? Band, oh, well, of course yeah, they're, they're not big. Of course they're not big band. Actually, that's fair. Big chorus is what I <laughs> wrote down, and then for some reason I yes, changed that to big absolutely. band. But they're big choral number. Um, There's nothing like doing
1: it live, so.
0: Yeah, you try and you try and tell Matthew that something's big band, and I'm sure he'll correct you. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a habit of a musical director. Yes. Okay, so um, uh, one day more. Do you hear the people sing red and black? Um, they are just fantastic. Aren't they just
1: some of the best songs ever written? They really are phenomenal. One Day
0: More, uh, for those of you who don't know the song for whatever reason... Listen it to it. the
1: culmination of everything going on up until that end of the first act. Yes. And it plays on almost every theme musically that has come before and then shoves them all into this one song and it just somehow works. It is absolutely incredible. It is. It is. (laughs) If you aren't aren't kind (laughs) of, if you aren't emotionally drained by the end of it, you clearly were watching.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah, it is that, it's that, it's a culmination of everything that's gone on so far and it's every, somehow, you're right, somehow every little, every character is, the main protagonists in, in, in the play are in this one song and they're all singing different mm. things that are relevant to their own narrative all mashed together all on top of each other and somehow it works and yeah. sounds amazing
1: oh absolutely uh,
0: something actually that we haven't yet discussed which I think
1: we really should the Tenardiers
0: of course <laughs> it's on my list here. It's on my list. How that? Da- it's on my list. It's on it? I've got Master of the House on here and because that is just to me, that is I love I love sing- um, singing musical theatre. what um, one of the songs that I think is just so fun. It's Master of the House, it's hilarious. It is it is just got this It's great Yeah, it's pure comedy in music and I love it to pieces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the orchestration for that is phenomenal. Um it really is brilliant,
1: I I love that song so much. <laughs> um, it's great. And I've never, again, I've never seen a bad set of tenardies. They get to play off each other so, yeah. so much in almost every scene they're in. Uh, they're very much that kind of Abbott and Costello or um, French and Saunders double act. Yeah. And it is phenomenal watching the work. Because they are hilarious from start to finish. The writing is good. Don't get me wrong. The actual written word on the yeah. page is
0: great, but every actor that does those roles yes, they I are think I, yes, so. I think you're right. I think actually, when I've seen Les Mis, um live in the West End, you could, the stuff that they were saying and doing was funny. But what made it more funny is what these actors did with it and how they put their okay. own stamp on it and how they use these words and what's been written and they turn it into something completely hilarious. Um, Absolutely. And that, that's the true art of those two characters. They are really, it's, they're very interesting characters because fundamentally they're bad people. Um, they are, <laughs> yes. fundamentally they are terrible people. But what is more bizarre is out of all the characters in the play, they're the funny ones. So the two people who are inherently bad throughout the whole play are the ones chosen to be made funny, which is a bizarre concept.
1: It is, but it works so well. Um, They're very much in a very different way from... Chaveau is often called the villain of the piece. Mm -hmm. Um, You can argue whether that is right or not. With the Tenardiers, you kind of can't... They are bad people. But almost in kind of the way that Jewish folklore, the hero is not someone strong or powerful, it's somebody who is quick witted and uses their intelligence to outsmart someone. And the reason I bring this up is because it's very much scored for a lot of klezmer clarinet,
0: so it has that Jewish sound to it. Okay. Um so
1: in the orchestration old- actually has that very French feeling to it, well, almost a stereotypical French feeling to it. There are elements in there, like the wow wow wow. Um, with that being that sliding clarinet, it does have that Jewish element to it, okay. which I think adds a bit of backstory there that you wouldn't ever
0: actually think about, or, you know, unlike, uh, say, in Oliver, where Fagan was very much written as he is Jewish. Yes. these two, it's just
1: kind of very subtly kind of hinted
0: uh,
1: in yeah. there, and I think that's really quite clever on the part of the orchestrator and um, the composer Schoenberg, but they are very much the clever ones, they're probably the cleverest people in the whole show, um, they are the ones that they survive for a style which is a rare feat in Lame is Yes, of um,
0: course, most people <laughs> die. Know. Spoiler alert. They very much survive by outsmarting everyone else. And that in itself is
1: incredible. Because yeah. they are up against some real, real tough competition here. They outsmart Javert. They outsmart the law for however long. We've got them, knows. Yeah. They outsmart all of their customers at the bar. And they are able to. Rolls through at the and end studying
0: in I, high society. I actually think one of the things you just touched on there, which I, I think is actually really relevant, is we're talking about obviously how these, you were talking about how obviously these, not only you know, that that Jewish element, that comment is really interesting because I haven't, I mean, I've not got the year that Matthew's got, so I, I couldn't really read into that. But I think that's absolutely fascinating, really interesting. The interesting thing that you did say for me is about Javert as well with the Tenardiers because Javert is someone that we talked about earlier. In this podcast, about who holds the law as the law is, and he believes that that's inherently right, and that there are just good, there is good yes. and bad, and the nowadays as we've 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 discussed and agreed, are bad people, like right? the terrible people. Yes. And oh, absolutely. Javert. They he, sell their daughter. Yeah, they yeah, sell their no. daughter, right? <laughs> but in a quest to get Jean Valjean to arrest him. He just completely passes off the Tenardiers, and in fact just lets them go willingly for information, and they're worse. Yes, uh, they're worse than Jean Valjean well, I
1: mean, is. Oh, absolutely, they are. By new leaps and bounds
0: are worse yeah. than Jean Valjean. And I mean, he, he has a gang of thugs that he uses to beat up people yeah. whilst he is conning
1: others. I mean, he is the villain. <laughs> yeah, and Javert should absolutely chase them down. Before he even thinks about Valjean, but he's obsessed, isn't he? Yes. He's absolutely obsessed with Valjean, and again, it's it kind of almost a matter of pride, um, which again, touching on sinful behaviour, Javert is a prideful person, yes, and I, I do think that is an element of that. Whereas the
0: Thenardiers, they are prideful at all; they are angry, they are greedy they are absolutely the epitome of greed yes.
1: and deceit and so they are such interesting characters and I mean I recently saw Matt Lucas as uh, Monsieur Tenardier and hilarious
0: yes he is fun. very very good isn't he <laughs> yeah uh, yes. considering basically the
1: only thing that I've seen him in before this was uh, Little Britain
0: well you need to watch Comply with me
1: what's funny oh right okay yeah I never saw that when that was on actually oh, that's um, worth it. yeah okay I'll give that a look um, but yeah considering you did that Little Britain come fly with me these sketch shows where it is very funny to so then go on to one of the <laughs> hallmarks of theatre on one of the best stages in the world and do such a beloved role is incredible and he, he absolutely nailed it um, and was hilarious. but something that is often caught from certain recordings is his backstory. And on certain versions of the lamest, you actually get his backstory, where he was an officer in the Napoleonic Wars. And when uh, Napoleon lost at Waterloo, he didn't actually go on the field and fight. What he did was he went through and picked the pockets of the English and French dead. <laughs> um, and <laughs> even back then, when he should have been doing at least something right, he was absolutely doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And he, he obviously returns to that later in the show with Dog Eats Dog, um, which is a song, for those of you who don't know, who where it comes just after the barricade has fallen. He is ransacking the dead uh, in the sewers yes. and taking any things of value off them. And he basically, in a way that we discussed, everybody else has this kind of. I, I don't know the right words here, even, kind of a religious overtone to them. Yes. He has the opposite. He has. The line that um, God is dead Um, he's very much of that opinion, there isn't a God man is their own God and they just have to do the best for what they can get Um, he looks up in the sky and only the murk shines down for him there is no God there is no one to make a deal with there is no one to do better for except himself and I think that is fascinating as a character but as you say it's played off so comedically that it's very easy to overlook him as a simple character but Yes, I don't think he is I
0: think he's one of the more complex
1: characters certainly in his motivation because it's not all about money parts of it are revenge where he obviously gets his gang together to try and beat up Valjean when he's of the opinion that he was wronged by Valchon when Tenardier sold his own adopted daughter
0: yes. to him. Um... Yes. <laughs> Remarkable that that's a concept in this play, that someone would sell their own daughter, an adopted daughter, to someone else.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it is. Um, but, I mean, the two of them together... Are phenomenally funny, but they are also cruel
0: people. Yes, they are. And they're fundamentally, we've said yeah. this, they're fundamentally cruel and bad people, and it's bizarre yeah. how they become the flagship of comedy in this play that people look forward to seeing because they want to laugh. Because Les Mis is such a roller coaster, and you go through feeling yeah. so low and so upset about some things that you see, and the bright light mm. to make you smile is these two fundamentally (laughs) terrible people. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Um, For me, the two of them, they kind of remind me of uh, Loki, the trickster god.
0: Yes. Yes, I like that.
1: Clearly a bad person.
0: What fuck is it fun watching you do it? Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. they, They absolutely remind me of Tom Hilston's Loki.
1: Um, in the Marvel movies because he is a bad guy he is a villain yeah. but my god you want to have fun watching him do it and that's exactly what the Tenardiers
0: are and he's brilliant to watch well maybe Tom Hiddleston is. should play Tenardier and I guess on that kind of point <laughs> that links <laughs> in quite nicely see what I did there? It's called talent baby that is a um, phenomenal segue set <laughs> thank you so we are going to move on to our next fun segment for you at home now, which is called Roll Call. Roll the titles. Welcome back after our next little jingle And we are here with our segment Roll Call Now Roll Call for those of you just to let you know what it is In Roll Call it will be a segment during every week Where we will talk about the cast that have played the parts in the musicals that we are looking at um, There could be more than one cast So we'll be talking about all the casts that have played them in the roles So we'll, for example in this we'll talk about all the people who have played Jean Valjean and the challenge is to rank them. Okay? From best to worst, okay. And there could be a few arguments on this one, okay? And if we have, if we can think of any, to maybe put forward some possible suggestions as who may be a good casting choice in the future, should they reproduce the musical of the week. So obviously this week we are talking all things lame is and I think there's no other character to start off with, except Jean Valjean. I will give you, Matthew, the five actors that I have got written down here who have played Jean Valjean, and we will have to... I will give you ten seconds to decide. Ten seconds to decide your order, to decide your order. I have... I think I've got my order, and we can decide where we think people should be and have a bit of a discussion on that. So if you're ready, we are starting with Jean Valjean. Uh, yeah, go for it. And the five actors we are having you've played Jean Valjean are of course the original Colin Wilkinson. Yeah. Of course the wonderfully talented John Owen Jones. Oh yeah. Of course in the concert recent version, Alfie Bo. We must also put in there the American Broadway name is star Ramin Karimloo, ah, And okay. the final choice is, of course, the movie star that is Hugh Jackman. So those are your five choices <laughs> of who is, is your best is Jean Vartan. So, I I am currently talking to you now, and while I keep talking to you, this is just Matthew's clock which he hasn't realised yet, so I'm giving him some thinking time here um, to think of his order. I I think I've got my order. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll reveal them from five to one, and we'll have a brief discussion and then we'll move on to the next character. How does that sound? Fine. Okay, so who is your number five?
1: <laughs> um I'm gonna go for a potentially controversial pick here and go
0: Hugh Jackman. Okay, and my number five is Hugh Jackman. So we were all agreed on yeah. that one. Um I think that's just maybe because he couldn't sing the fucking notes. Um that could be fucking it. Um, I... <laughs> um to, to be credit to him, I don't think he missed too many notes. Um, I would have expected them to be flawless. Um but my problem with him is that every single word he says must be in vibrato all the time there is he, he cannot say a word or sing word he literally just has to vibrato everything it's so annoying anyway that was number five okay number four um. Potentially going to go for a genuinely controversial one, and go Cole Wilkinson. I am shocked. I am gagged. <laughs> Cole Wilkinson, <laughs> four. Okay. Yeah, I, I I know I know. Um. You want my number four? Basically Hang on. You want my number
1: four?
0: four guys. Okay, my number four, Alfie Bow hundred percent. What? 100%.
1: Seriously? Yes. Wow. Uh, do you want to explain why or just okay. throw
0: shade all night? No, the reasoning I put Alfie Beau at number four is because for me, he's too operatic. And at times, I think okay. for me, he just loses some of the emotion. It's, it's useful in some of the power numbers that Jean Valjean has got. But sometimes when I think there's that raw emotion, I don't think Alfie Bo gets it across as well as some of the others do. I don't personally.
1: Okay. Um. I think you're wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you put. Hang on. You put Colm Wilkinson number four. Explain. I did. Yes. Um. So sh- I'm just going to preface
1: this by saying that you picks four absolutely incredible people and one absolute foot nugget so um you've got quite a distance between five and four on that sliding scale Mm -hmm. um so shall we say it's not a linear (laughs) path to number one here the top four for me are all very very close for me though cone wilkinson um and this is probably a very personal preference kind of thing his vibrato for me is slightly too much I've seen uh, many a thing he's done um, with Les Mis and his vibrato is slightly too much he didn't originate the role um, and I thought it was nice that they gave him a cameo in the film but he must have been kicking himself that the white shaft that is Hugh Jackman got his role Because fucking hell could cohn do a better job. Um, But in comparison to Ramin, Alfie and John Owen Jones, I...
0: Rubbish. Lies. um, I'm telling you, I'm going to repeat his own line back to him. You're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You're wrong on this. Okay, right, we've got to move on. We need to move on. We've got to get these lists out. Okay, so... Who is your number three?
1: Well, my number three is Ramin Karimloo.
0: And my number three is Ramin Karimloo as well.
1: Right. For me, he will always be Phantom. Um,
0: Yes, agreed. It's
1: genuinely hard for me to imagine him in another role because I know his voice so well. I've studied Phantom in the past, done it several times.
0: He was Um, born for Phantom He's just got this beautiful tone And don't get me wrong, he plays a beautiful Jean Valjean Because his voice is so amazing But for me, he just absolutely His stamp still You you can't help but watch him play Jean Valjean And still think, but he's really good in Phantom Isn't he? Yeah, exactly, (laughs) yeah That,
1: That is where I genuinely start to struggle with him Okay. Um, And it is probably wildly unfair. Yes, it is. Of us <laughs> to judge him entirely by Phantom. But he was so, so good in Phantom. Yes, he was. That I think I just have to judge him on that.
0: Okay, right, number two. Uh,
1: number two for me is Alfie Bow.
0: Number two for me is Conor Owen Jones. Sorry, Conor Owen Jones. Sorry, I said Conor Owen Jones. That's an old friend of mine from university. I mean John Owen Jones. John Owen Jones. Um, John Owen Jones, for me, is number two. Um, I, th- It's quite close between him and my top choice, but I think John Owen Jones is blooming fantastic at anything he puts his hand to. Um, this, to me, just comes down to personal preference between these top two of who I whose voice I prefer. Yeah. Um, and I for, think for me it is as well there, there is also because obviously uh, I've put Alfie Bow and John Owen Jones as Alfie uh, Bo two Bow, number Alfie Bow number two is an absolutely shocking decision
1: <laughs> well you say that but Alfie Bow doing <laughs> is bringing home with the key change so he takes it higher is one of the best things ever done um, <laughs> it really is um, but, there is in the, um, the Waltz of Betrayal, where um, it's a name that is never ever used for the song, but it's where you have the t- Tenardier is
0: meeting Valjean for the first time with Little Gazette. Yeah. Um, it's that
1: one. Um, <laughs> John Owen Jones, and Alfie Bow and Karen Wilkinson all play this song so differently and it's one of the main differences between the three of them. Donnelly yeah. Jones, when he's uh, doing the, Now your mother is with God, he's doing that as almost a joke, kind of a, let's not say she's dead because I've got an eight-year-old child here. Yeah. Let's try and find another way around that. And it also helps that the Tenardiers don't get the joke. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> so John Owen Jones is your? Is he your number one? John Owen Jones is your number one. He is, yeah. Wow. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, A, I love his voice. I mean,
0: yeah. to be honest, the top four, I love their voices. So you put, but, but I'm, I, I am do. slightly offended that you put Colin Wilkinson four because he's my number one. He is absolutely incredible. <laughs>
1: if you're offended by that then fuck off <laughs> Seriously, tougher skin <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah uh, John Owen Jones he plays that one bit yes. as very different from the others yes. and I think that's really quite good uh, I think it's very clever whether it's him or the director that you originally worked with and he's kept it I don't know but he has always done that and
0: it's phenomenal. So there we I go. Love yeah. It. So there we go, we've got our lists, we've got our differences. And so we're moving on to our next role now. Don't forget at home, if you want to join in and send us your lists, your one to fives, please do. we we'll would be more than happy to hear from you here on our two bids on Broadway. Okay, so we are moving on to our next role, which is, so we're gonna do three men, two women roles. Um, the next male role is Javert. and we right, have okay. four to choose from here. But I want your top three because we all know that Russell Crowe is shit and is already <laughs> going to be number four. Right? He absolutely is. If, yes, you, if okay. you want, I, I actually want to just resend that. Why put just... him
1: on the list?
0: I know, I do want to take back what I did say earlier, if you'd like to send us our list please do, but if your list includes Russell Crowe anywhere near a top three uh, don't send us um, because, because because we are just simply going to tell you you're fucking wrong um, so Javert the three that you can choose from because Russell Crowe is number four is yep. Michael Ball at the concert Lamies version The original Roger Allen Or Philip Quast Right Yeah okay I've got him Okay and uh, I have my order Uh, And why don't we kick off Kick off with number three Who's your number
1: three So for me it is uh, Roger Allen
0: And it's the same for me
1: Yeah i thought it might be yeah um i think this one's probably more clear-cut Ooh. than the other one um it is still a personal preference but yeah.
0: basically there's been a lot of phenomenal people playing this role and let's
1: yeah. be honest michael ball and philly quest are two of them
0: yes they are and i think yeah. what the the score of stars changed you can tell me I'm right it on this, aren't is, yes. I? And so Roger Allen doesn't yeah. sing the version of Stars that I love, right? It's a very mm. more dull down ending rather than this big, big ending. Yes. Um, and that really loses out for me. I think it's a really pivotal moment. Yep. I love that because he's. It is? It, 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 it's, a, it's a song about. Um, he's pleading with God. And I don't understand why he'd be so quiet at the end. And it didn't lose that for yeah, me, so that that automatically for me puts Quast and Ball ahead. But the question is, who's number two? yeah absolutely Who's number two? Ah, uh,
1: oh, see, for me, it's going to have to be Michael Ball.
0: And for me, it's also Michael Ball. So we've agreed. It. We've agreed. Yeah. Yay!
1: It's, it's hard between Michael Ball and Philip Quast because they are
0: both yes. so good. Yes, it is. <laughs> They're both incredible,
1: um, but. Philip Quast on that symphonic recording?
0: Yeah. Oh! <laughs> yes, he's just got oh something. Yeah. If you're going to listen to anything from Javert, listen to it with Philip Quast. I mean, Michael Ball was also very good, but there's just something about the, the way Philip Quast just. Oh, that voice! Yeah. It just mm-hmm. gets me going.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Every time.
0: Okay, well, Javel was a nice, easy one for us, so we're making a bit yeah, more progress absolutely. now. Okay, we're going to move on to our <laughs> final character played by a male, and this has been used by and played by some pretty big people, this character, and that is Marius. Okay. It's been used um, as... A, Marius. It's been used as a, quite a bit oh. of a tee-up for a lot of characters. Could have gone with a rolly yes, but I went with Marius. Um... And we've got another name. Uh, This is the first time I'm going to repeat a name. You've got Michael Ball. Could be your Marius. You've got... From the movie, Eddie Redmayne. Could be your Marius. You've got... Originally, that if you knew this, played Marius, was Ramin Karimloo. Originally also played Marius. You've got... How many have I done? I've done four now, haven't I? Your final one Uh... is... Think so so you got Michael Ball, Eddie Redmayne, Nick Jonas, Ramin Karamlu, and from the concert version of Les Mis. Nick Jonas. N- yes, Nick Jonas played Marius. As in Jonas Brothers. Yes, yes, played Marius. Wow. Okay, it's a good
1: job we researched
0: beforehand, isn't it? Yeah, he played um, this at the anniversary. <laughs> he played it. He played it in an anniversary concert of Les Mis, and uh, I'll leave it for a moment to tell you my thoughts of his performance. Um, and the final one is the concert version, uh which is Rob Hoochin. Who plays it, oh, okay, the head yeah. lad. Um yeah, he's very, very talented. Um so, Day or five, Michael Ball, uh, Eddie Redmain, Nick Jonas from the Jonas brothers, Ramin Karimloo and yep. Rob Hoochin. I need your number five, Matthew. Um, so, possibly controversially, I'm once again going to go with the movie version. In fact, no, I'm not. I'm going to go with Nick Jonas because I don't think I've seen his version. Okay, I will also go Nick Jonas. I just, like, fair enough. Just don't watch it. Just don't watch Nick Jonas play Marius. Because Marius is a beautiful character with some beautiful songs. And uh, Nick Jonas is a beautiful looking man. And he has a reasonable voice. But he shouldn't play Marius, and it's quite evident in this performance that he should not play Marius. And it, there's moments in Marius when he's performing, he has this lovely soft side to his voice, which is you know when he's got this you know when he's talking about how in love he is with Cosette um, and, and, and and but he's also got this power to his voice as well that he could he kind of kind of comes in with that brotherhood that he's got with Enrolias. He's got this also. Ability to inspire, to be this inspiration in in the play, and he he's got this power behind him. And Nick Jonas has no power behind his voice, as you will find if you watch him play name is, and play Marius. It is fucking <laughs> awful, right? right? Um, and I think I think we can both agree. I'm, I'm sure you're going to say the same. My number four is Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. And yeah. that's my same fault with Eddie Redmayne. I just don't think he's got yeah. that power that is needed for Marius. there is yes, he has this some but there's this power behind him that is he just doesn't have yeah okay right
1: i I'm, I agree completely and I mean he's acting at some point,
0: but, but he's a movie yeah. star so you, you expect yeah, his yeah. acting to be on I mean Hugh, no, Jackman, Hugh Jackman's acting was on point he just couldn't sing the bloody songs um <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. so right we have a top three so you have to choose between Michael Ball yes. Ramin Karimloo and Rob Hoochin. who is your number three um
1: <laughs> my number three
0: is Ramin okay and my number three is Ramin Karimloo also agreed so we agree again oh this is this is this is not as controversial as I hoped so far <laughs> okay w- w- Raman Kanu for me again I mean we said it when he, with Jean Valjean one he has just become so epitomised yeah. for Phantom um, two I hate to kind of say this but, voice. but this is what I was about to say I actually think with him he's almost too clean his voice is yes. almost too yeah. clean for Marius. Marius right. has got this vulnerability yeah. about him, which is why Bring Him Home is so moving. He's got this vulnerability right. about his character that Ramin Karimloo's voice is just so clean that you just can't get that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm glad I stole your thunder so... on that one. <sighs> yes.
1: <laughs> no, we, we do agree. Um, so top two were. Uh, Michael Ball or Rob Huchen. Um, Rob Huchin. Yeah. For me, Rob Huchin is number
0: one, I should say now. Um, I know that you might not agree. Amen. Rob Hoochin is number one and I would <laughs> yes. I would have absolutely argued to the death with you on that and I'm so glad you said it, which is a bit of a you know, I'm a bit gutted that we didn't disagree and I could have put forward Rob Rob Hoochin's case. Rob Huchin, I one of the fir- one of the first things I ever went to see. Hang on, there's a bit of a story behind this. One of the first things I ever went to see in the West End was Les Mis, and Rob Huchin played Marius. It was in one of the in about the three years he played Marius. I went to see him while he played it, and he just had this voice, this vibrato behind his voice that is the most gorgeous I've ever heard on someone. Done musical theatre. This is a bold statement, right? I think he has the nicest vibrato I've heard of anyone I've heard sing musical theatre, okay? And so, coincidentally, since then, I've become a huge fan. I follow him on Spotify, I followed all the performance that he's done. So, when he went um, to do the concert, I followed him. When he went to do uh, Eugenius, when he's done Venerama, the musical, I've followed this man because his voice to me is absolutely gorgeous.
1: I agree 100%. It absolutely is. And his acting throughout is phenomenal. Yes. Uh, When he's doing Entity Chairs, I must admit, I saw him in the role and I was absolutely in tears. It was so moving in a way that many of the others haven't ever been.
0: Yeah. He just had this mastery. You're absolutely right of the... I've just talked about how i think his voice is incredible actually but you're right his acting is also phenomenal and i think that comes from the Ma- yeah. because he played marius for so long um yes yeah. in yeah. the production absolutely. i do think um, he understands
1: the part as well as anybody ever could
0: yes yeah i actually
1: might go against him in the future because you will think of him as marius in the same way we're say
0: but but we say that But bear in mind Ramin has still done Very well in our lists With Marius <laughs> oh, And okay, with Jean Valjean yes. And Michael Ball's done well in the Javert and Marius list And I personally yeah. think That Rob Huchin Is one to keep an eye out on Because I reckon He's coming back to Les Mis As Jean Valjean There is my Who's next Right There is <laughs> my Who's next this guy, in ten well, I mean, years' time... the actual one, don't you? Yeah, I think about ten years, five years' time, this, this lad, Rob Huchin, is coming back, and he's going to be playing Jean Valjean. 100%. <laughs> now, that I would really like to see. I and, must
1: admit, yeah, that, would and be that
0: phenomenal. And that, if it does happen, I will personally buy you a ticket to come with me, because we have to go see it. <laughs>
1: I'm going to
0: hold you to that. No problem, please do. Okay, let's move on. So we've got two more characters to get through. It's quite a nice long segment, this. I hope you're enjoying at home. Don't forget to send us in your suggestions of your lists. I mean, if you've not heard Rob Huchin, you might have Michael Ball number one. We don't know. Let us know what you think. Who is your number ones in these lists? Okay, we've got two more lists for you, and we're going to move on now to Ebonine. So we're moving on to Eponine now, and we have got... Five people who have played Eponine, And it is our challenge To put them from one to five Okay so the five people to play Eponine That we can choose from are Frances Ruffle Leah Salong, Leah Michelle Samantha Barnes And Carrie Hope Fletcher I will give you just a moment can to decide Yeah I'll run down the list one more time So you've got, so you got Frances Ruffle. Leah Salong, right, that was it, yeah. Leah Michelle, Samantha Barnes, and Carrie Hope Fletcher. I'll give you 20 seconds to decide. Okay, well, that was a very short 20 seconds. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, uh, I wanted your I know, literally about, the one you caught me so about far. two seconds. Okay, so um, this is hard. It is very hard. Um, so yeah. you're, I'll just remind. Us of the choices again. We've got Frances Ruffell, Leah Salong, Leah Michelle, Samantha Barnes, and Carrie Hope Fletcher. Okay, who have you got at number five?
1: Yeah, I've got Leah Michelle,
0: and I have Leah Michelle as well.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. She yeah, just she. I just don't think she has the gravity to pull off that
1: role. I know that she's done it before at the Hollywood Bowl, but yeah, I do not
0: think that was a good version. She's not got the uh I don't think she could really grasp that emotion that um, that's needed for yeah. Ebonine Um yeah. it's a different kind of emotion than I think she she can play sad very well. She played sad very well in Glee, I mean yeah, yeah. um but yeah she couldn't I don't think she played like the lust but sadness kind of aspect of yes. that very well. Um so she... quite love. Yeah. yeah, so I think she, she, she's five for me and I I'm, I'm happy with that choice. Yeah. Okay, number four. I am
1: as well. Uh for me is Samantha Barks.
0: Samantha Barks, number four? Yeah. My yeah. mine is Francis Raphael. <laughs> well
1: that's my number three,
0: so Okay, so we're pretty similar. Okay, but Samantha Barks mm. Samantha Barks number four yeah okay how come
1: um so I am going off the movie and the West End yeah the movie was a pile of dog shit generally yeah uh, she was a better performance in it she was probably one of the be-
0: better yeah, ones I should agree with that yeah
1: um I would say it's between her for the entire time she's on stage for the film yeah and
0: Anne Hathaway's I Dreamed a Dream yeah um those three minutes of her those are probably the best bits of the movie no, Yeah, yeah whoa whoa
1: whoa okay I know I'm narrowing a three
0: how hour film you? down to about ten minutes how dare you dismiss Aaron Tvevitt as Enrolias, who I absolutely adore as an actor I think Aaron Tvevitt yeah, is well, gorgeous honestly, that's probably that because I think he's he fit It's isn't but... a memorable moment of the film Mostly he's, because the um, rest of it is so dog shit around. Everything it. he's in that is a memorable moment in my back of my mind we <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just he, in your mind, yeah. yeah. Um, Just in my mind, we'll say that for now. Keep it peaceful. Uh, sh- only in my mind Oh, let's yeah. Right, okay, let's let, <laughs> We need to make some progress We're like one minute tw- One hour and twenty minutes Into a podcast I can't believe it We've talk about lame is all day, yeah. I'm sure Right, okay We've done well Okay, so I think we've both said Three and four Are just the other way round we? So, number mate? three uh, Number three is Samantha Barton for me So, that's fair enough Fair enough, yeah Okay, number two Right, okay, fair enough um, mm.
1: uh, Mine...
0: Carry Hope oh, Fletcher this Is for me, me down that list again You've got a choice Between Carry Hope Fletcher And Leah Salon. Oh yeah
1: It's um
0: I've gone it's Carry it's Hope too
1: me There's two Have you Right This is very very close Um my favourite Epony Isn't
0: on the list actually Ooh um, Ooh Yeah I know So I'll of, of the five
1: that you gave me, Carrie is the first. Leah, Leah is the well, second. hang on, no, no,
0: no. She, Carrie I'm Hope's quiet. not the first anymore. Who's your first? Oh, okay,
1: uh, Shanaka, Um you know from the concert that uh, just happened. Yes. Um, yeah, because she is absolutely phenomenal. Oh. She is, in my mind, she is second
0: to none as Nephi she has wow. that playfulness at the start,
1: she is fun to watch in everything that she's in, but also has that gravity for the sadder moments and the bits where
0: the story turns yes. for her and
1: the, phena- I must admit um, <laughs> so most of Lamies has me in tears, but her death and On My Own, which are very close together in the film that is where the tears really start going for me, Yeah.
0: because
1: it is absolutely phenomenal it really is and then again when she comes back on at the end for Come to Me oh (laughs) my heart literally breaks every time I hear that harmony and I do think with uh, Carrie Hope Fletcher as Fantine and uh, Shanako as Eponine, it is the absolute dream scene for that moment yeah it is just second to none. It's amazing. I love that
0: so much. Okay, well, I mean, I, I do love Lia Long I think she's so, so amazing and so talented. And that's why I've she got her is, number yeah. one. Um, and I, I could see an argument with Carrie Hope. Yeah, it's one that I'm not really kind of that emotive about. Like, I'm not really that fussed what people put one, two, or three for Ebenine That sounds harsh. Uh, she's not my favourite character hate to say that. She's, okay. she's not. Um uh, oh but, but <laughs> so many amazing right. people have played her and so many people have played her amazingly well and are amazingly talented yeah. and oh, on, on my own one of the flagship songs again for you know women in the in the play is, is a beautiful piece of music and yeah. so many people have sung that so many well. Even Samantha Barr's version I absolutely love so so I'm not too bothered yeah. about that. I must admit even with the five that five or six that we've named here we're not actively kind of dicking on any of them because no. they've all been pretty yes. good at some point.
1: Like, I know we said Leah Michelle is just wrong for the role. Yeah. But she is still really talented. Yes. The same can't be said for, like... Russell Crowe. Some of
0: the choices for Javert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to be PC. This is not a fucking PC show, right? <laughs> Russell Crowe <laughs> belongs in a ditch, not on Lame Is, right? And th- that's just in terms so he's of talent. strong, okay? He right? might put you in one if you carry on. In, in terms of talent, he belongs in a ditch. For musical talent. It was awful, I would actually, I don't know who I think was worse between him or Piers Brosnan in Mamma Mia, because they were both (laughs) utterly fucking wank, um, okay, anyway, we've got to move on, um, we've got our final list for you now, and the final list is Madame Tenardier okay okay and the this list interesting. is as follows you can have susan jane tanner the okay Richard. jenny galloway yeah, fair
1: yeah
0: rosie o'donnell seriously rosie o'donnell yeah and i've got okay. her Bobbin carter in here as well yeah and you you want to add okay. or are you happy with those four
1: no, I'm up with
0: those four and I've already got my list. okay, perfect. Well, let you, why don't you crack on and number four. What's number four, Matthew? <laughs> so, number four
1: for me is Rosie
0: O. Okay, fair. Have you not seen her, her performance of it? No, or... I have not. Uh, it's actually really, really good. Is it? It is really I good. I will have to give that a look, actually. But, it's, I mean, all of these, I think, are actually really, really good. Um... I've prob- put Rosie O'Donnell's three on the basis that Helena Bottom okay. Carter is my four. Right, okay. She's my number three
1: Fair for right. the reason I've seen her. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Rosie O could well be
0: very good. I genuinely yeah. don't
1: know what her performance was like. Um, I will give that a look after this. Do indeed. Uh, but yeah, Helena Bonham Carter I think did an acceptable job in the film. I don't think it was world-class
2: but oh, I think uh, it was a decent attempt.
0: Acceptable.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, which might not sound like a glowing review, but when you compare her role to Hugh Jackman or Russell Crowe, yeah. I think that's pretty damn good for yeah. that film.
0: Yeah, I think she did, as I would summarise in three letters, a uh, meh. She was a bit meh. <laughs> but meh. Yeah, was... okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to lie I probably expected a bit more from her With the title that she comes with Because she is a phenomenal actress And it is a role that yeah, you don't is. actually Have to have singing prowess for You have to be yeah. a Bloody good comedic actress I expected a bit Absolutely. more from her I'm not going to lie And that's why she's four on my list really um, Okay you've yeah. got your top two Who's, who's, your, who's your winner? Uh,
1: my winner and it, you can probably guess it is Jenny Galloway.
0: Yeah, and that's damn right as well. It should be Jenny. Yeah, it should right. be Jenny Galloway. <laughs> she
1: is phenomenal and unfortunately
0: she kinda of blows everyone else out of the water. Yeah, um, she does. She so much
1: fun. <laughs> Every
0: second she's on there, she so much fun. Yeah, I think that she really I think I mean, Susan Jane Tanner, I thought was very, very good at it, but I think Jenny, Gallo- yes, Jenny Galloway did something with that role that then everyone else has now tried to, co- tried to copy. <laughs> yeah. In in yeah, how how funny, how she grasped this comedic aspect is just beyond anyone else's. It's it's genius. Yeah. It's absolute oh, absolutely, genius. Yeah.
1: It's so
0: so good. Okay, so we're about an hour and 30 minutes into our first podcast, so I hope you're still with us and joining (laughs) us on Two Beards on Broadway. It's quite a long one, this, but Les is three hours, so we've only been going half of that. I think we've done well. We have. So we are going to have a little brief five-minute summary, final few thoughts on Les Then we're going to have a a couple more fun sections for you to finish off. We are going to have our one-song glory, and we are going to finally take our seats. So, summarising the play, Matthew, what do we think? <laughs> Just summary of uh, the ending.
1: So, obviously, we've talked about um, the opening of the musical, uh, the story of our song and the people he meets along his way, but we haven't really got past the barricade. The barricade falls and Sue's rebellion fails. Um, They end up dead, all by Marius, who is injured and unconscious. Valjean takes him away and basically gives him his blessing to marry Cosette at the end. They get married, and you get this really sad moment because on the wedding day, Valjean is dying. Largely attributed to, he traded his life for Marius's. Yes. And the second that Marius was safe, Darbashian's life is over. So, that's how the show ends. <laughs> it ends with the death bomb and he is taken into God's arms, into presumably heaven. And there you have the people. Who he met along the way. You've got Fantine Eponine, you've got the students, they are there singing. Do you hear the people sing at the end? Yes. It is such a heartwarming moment and so, so crushing as you see Valjean in that white makeup and the gown
0: not able to move anymore because he's so weak. Yes. It's a beautiful ending for a beautiful character. Um, I mean, the reason he goes back to the barricade is obviously because he discovers about Cosette's love for Marius. And so he goes to try and save Marius. Um, And he just is a character who... I think if you do look at it, his sense of what is right and what is wrong is... His morality as a character is beautiful, I think. Um, And I think he's got this pure... Love in his heart, that is, is, beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, and he's got such care, and he cares so much. And bring him home towards the end when you know the barricade's being destroy, destroyed, and he discovers Marius there, hoping that Marius is is not not dead, and just wants to bring him home. Just literally wants to bring him home. And yeah, and again, that song is uh, sometimes titled "The Prayer," isn't it? Yes. Um, it's it's very much a prayer to God. He's making that
1: bargain. Yeah. If Marius lives, you have my life.
0: But it's also that kind of trade. I will trade, isn't my it? place for his. It's also that kind of thing that his love for his, for Cosette, this daughter. Which isn't even yes. his daughter. It's it is, but the no, love a adopted, daughter, adopted daughter. But the love he's got for her is so strong. He's willing to pass off his own life to save the man that she loves. Is an incredible story. Um, Someone that he barely knows. Yeah, he hardly even knows <laughs> this marriage. All he knows Maris. about
1: her is that Cazette loves
0: him. Yeah, and that's it. And marriage. Yeah. at times can be a bit of a naive dick. Um, To be honest, Mm -hmm. Um, at at times he seems a little bit immature. Like they kind of fall in love very quickly, Um, and there's this huge fight going on. Marius, half the time, is just thinking about Cosette, so he's a bit kind of all over the place as a character. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And to someone like that, for Jean Valjean, your protagonist, the, the 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 man who seems to be you know so. Loving and caring and good decides to give up his life for someone who we hardly know at what's at his heart. I mean, we know that obviously we think that Marius loves Cazette, but we don't really know much about him besides that he's posh and he doesn't really belong on the barricade. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> you make a very good point. Yeah, I mean, so, I, mean the, for, I think, I think I, the thing I will say, and I think um, Matthew touched on it quite well, was that the ending of *Lame* is it's beautiful, it doesn't, it, it, one thing it doesn't do, and it can't, you could argue it does, but I personally think it doesn't, it doesn't try and wrap all the loose ends, it doesn't tell you what happened after the barricade was destroyed, it doesn't try and tell you, it doesn't try and wrap up everything into one bubble, and to try and, it's just, Jean Valjean dies, and he spends that moment with his, having made the bargain to God, singing. Do you hear the people sing with the people who joined him on his journey? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and it's because, it doesn't wrap up because the musical isn't the story of France, it's not the story yes. of the revolution. The book touches on that in much greater detail. But it's not that story that's being shown here. It is very much the story of Valjean. Yes. And anything else doesn't matter to the story being told.
0: Yes. It it doesn't. It's it's a uh, it's it does touch on those the theme of the revolution in France, and the, but it doesn't. It's not epitomised by it. It doesn't have it stand mark, It doesn't make the musical. It's. It's kind of there. It's the setting. It's it, it's always present, and you know it's going on, and you understand the context. But it doesn't epitomise Les Mis. There is more important yeah. characters and themes going on than the, than just that it's set in France and there's a revolution going on. Yeah, um, but the fact it does end with "Do you hear the people sing?" I think is
1: really quite important because obviously it's been used in the musical a lot earlier because they're singing about a better life for everyone in France, I personally, and this is personal opinion, think it finishes with that, A, because it's an incredibly powerful song,
0: but B, because Valjean has always tried to make the life of the people around him better. Yes.
1: I think that's probably the moral of the story: is do whatever you can to make
0: life better for those you care about. I think so. I think that's a lovely summary of Lane's. I don't think I could have put it in any better words. Oh, thank you. And then you've obviously got Javert's suicide as well. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, you know, let's talk about a Jolly Top subject, subject, you know, Javert committing suicide. Brilliant. But Javert's suicide is again one of those really powerful, poignant moments that I think people can take in any different direction. Basically, in the story, Javert decides he can't rationalise the idea of. Valjean being a criminal and a good man. No, he can't stand And he can't carry on
1: his hunts. Basically, yeah. Um, it's that simple. He is meant to be hunting this man, but he does realise Valjean is a good man, and he really
0: struggles with that concept that the two things are different. He's always seen criminal equals bad. Yes. Or here, it
1: might actually not, and he does. He, he he can't comprehend the difference, and he doesn't see any way to go on with that. His entire life has been the pursuit of one person. I
0: think. Yeah, I think it's and as well. Bear in, it's not right. bear in mind, there's the crucial scene where Jean Valjean lets Javert escape. Javert tries to infiltrate the barricade, yes. and Jean Valjean lets him escape. Pretends to kill him and lets him escape, and no one else knows that he did that. And he, he, sh- he, he wouldn't kill him. He wouldn't do that. That's unforgivable. And at that moment, that's the moment where Javert goes, "Oh, oh my God, this guy's not as bad as, he's not bad, is he? He's a good man. He, he wouldn't kill me." And it's, yeah. The, the suicide song is beautiful, um, and it, it, it's completely about how Javert can't understand the world that he's now living in. But one of the most interesting things I think about this particular piece of music is that the music is almost a mirror image of um, when... <laughs> who am I? I? Who am I? And also when um, Jean Valjean is in the church. Yes, and yeah. um, and he has nothing but the bishop shows him forgiveness and Jean Valjean becomes a better person Javert, when mm-hmm. he's shown forgiveness and he is allowed to go free by Jean Valjean he does not become a better person he kills himself
1: I think it's the idea that he
0: can't understand yes. how criminal equals good yeah as well as equally bad I think it's that duality that drives him over the edge um, because he is bound by his own moral compass to hunt the man and to track him down and throw him back in prison but he cannot justify those actions no
1: and so the only alternative in his eyes is to end the chase from his side rather than Valjean's side
0: Yes. So I'm not sure
1: it's about him
0: becoming a better or a worse I, person. Yeah, I so think becau- yeah 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 true. I I mean yes, I think I'd agree with that. I take that back. Yes, he is probably very very confused, and I think actually he's trying to find the answers, but he just doesn't understand. Especially with that, I am reaching, but I fall, and all the stars are black and cold. He just there's no answer. Nothing can give him remorse. He just cannot understand how the, the world of Jean Valjean as he describes it, I'll escape now from this world, from this world of Jean Valjean, from this world of a justice yeah. that he doesn't understand, from the world of a kindness and what is right and wrong and morality that he doesn't understand because all he knows is this is what's written to be r- wrong, so that's wrong. Yeah. Um, and he can't comprehend anything in the context. Because the musical takes place
1: across 20, 30 years, even though we don't see all of yes, that. Of uh, course we just see kind of pivotal days in those times but it takes place across an awful long time period from Javert and Valjean being really quite young men at the time all the way up to them being old Yes. Um, I mean they may not look it because there's only so much you can do with their two hour show and aging them up (laughs) when they're on stage all the time but um, (laughs) they are meant to be and old by the start and the finish respectively I think it's very much Javert through his chase of Valjean across those years
2: has seen the good
1: that Valjean has done I mean he bumps into him when uh, Valjean is the mayor he bumps into him again in Paris he sees what he's doing for Marius he sees what he did for himself he he realises Valjean is in his essence good. He has done bad things, but also he's done an awful lot of good. Yeah. And yeah, for me I don't think Javert knows how to handle those two ideas. Yes. And that is why he is pushed over the edge. Because his
0: own moral compass is
1: so strict that he cannot fathom somebody
0: being in shade of grey. Yes, I think you're absolutely right, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And I think, you know what, that's the perfect way to finish our summary of Lame Is, and I think if you haven't been enticed by that to go and watch it, then I don't know what will sell it to you. Um, (laughs) It is clearly, as we've discussed, a play of great magnitude, so many incredible themes run throughout it. So many complex characters. Some incredible music. And I think it's time we do our final couple of fun segments for you at home. Um, we will be interested to hear your take on these. Starting off with our segment called "One Song Glory." We don't have a little theme tune for this yet, though. So it's just you know as the other ones do. But it's called "One Song Glory," uh, which is the title of a song from Rent if you didn't know bonus point if you got that right um, and One Song Glory is <laughs> our segment where we name our favourite song from the play and we have been think thinking you know, about these first. and apparently I am going first okay sure uh, you absolutely um, are my favourite song is ABC The Cafe Scene uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that is okay, my favourite scene and it's the moment where he comes in and goes Lamarck is dead I put that in the quiz because I love that scene yeah. and that note that Enrolias hits and it's that cry to oh, arms yeah. and it's just chilling and that is my, that is my one song glory
1: right
0: okay <laughs> so if you choose, there is a castle on the cloud, then, then this podcast will end very quickly.
1: <laughs> so yeah, this is the last time that Chris and I were together
0: ever. um, <laughs> yeah. no, um I actually have two, and I couldn't uh, pick between them. Okay. But I'm going to give you the rationale for both of them. Okay. Okay. These for me are properly heartbreaking moments. Okay. And I reckon I can guess one of them.
1: They
0: go on. I reckon one's going to be when Gavroche dies. Maybe. No. Oh, okay. No. How? Little Fall of yeah, rain?
1: That's right. Um, for everyone listening, the nine-year-old kid dies. Yeah, so shot. yeah, yeah. Um,
0: Okay, sorry, I interrupted because
1: you, go on. there was a bigger fuck you government. Yeah. It's a nine-year-old being murdered by Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, my first one, I sang to you earlier,
0: and it's has, um, Just his worry in Drink With Me. Okay, I love Drink With Me, it's a great song. He absolutely is, but that
1: verse in particular, because Grantair, uh, throughout the show until then, He's a drunk that is going along with basically his friends. Yeah. He takes the piss out of Marius earlier. He backs on up when he needs to. However, here, he speaks for himself and very much shows the students aren't zealots or kind of this um, unthinking force. They're kids and they're terrified yes Yes. they don't belong there they really are scared and again you get a beautiful interplay which is not spoken but uh, when Gontair says could it be you fear to die um Andras turns and looks at him and whilst he uh, finishes the next bit the um is your life just one more lie? Andras walks over and takes the bottle from him. Yeah. Blaming the drink. Uh, but yeah, he's basically blaming the drink for it. But anybody watching knows it's not the drink, these are Grantaire's actual thoughts. Yeah. He is terrified, and he's not alone up there. And I think it's that moment which makes the fall of the barricade ends with Enjolras and Grand standing together. They're correct, yes. Being gunned down. Um, I think it's that moment which makes that so powerful. Because Grantaire could have run, he could have given in to fear, he didn't, and he stayed with his friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um my other one,
0: amazing, which yeah.
1: is a song that I guarantee gets overlooked. <laughs> it's turning. Okay, you know, straight after the barricade falls and you get the townspeople, the women of Paris sing turning. Yes, you get the line. No one ever told them that a summer's day could kill. And
0: I'm well enough thinking about it now, but that gets me every single yeah. time. Um, I think that is such a beautiful moment, and it's very much their deaths were A, if the people of Paris had rallied
1: around them, then the students would have won. But at the same time, the people of Paris didn't. And they lost their kids in that in that revolution. They lost their children, their sons and daughters, and. God, that line cuts
0: me down every single time. Yeah, it's a beautiful beautiful, beautiful line. It's a beautiful line. They're really, really great suggestions. Thank you for those, Matthew. They're proper emotive, but You're beautiful, beautiful suggestions. Mine was a lot more simpler. I just went for a bit of enrolly ask, just giving us a good bit of a, a bit of a battle cry. Um, but I loved that. But there is so many emotional moments that you could have picked from, and those two are very small but beautiful scenes and well chosen by Matthew. Um, I think you definitely have the one song glory in there, rather than me. So uh, congratulations. This week's one song glory oh, goes to Matthew's suggestion. And if if I if, if, if I if you don't mind, my choice is Turning for this week. Uh, turning, oh, okay. turning uh, after the fall of the barricade is our one song glory for the week. Okay, and next week in our next musical, uh, next musical we will choose a one song glory uh, for that for that show. So if you're going to listen to one song from *Lainey's*, our choice is *Turning*. There you go. Um, so we're moving on to our final segment. All has been said and done. The podcast has been running for a rather long time now. If you're still with us, thank you very much. This is Two Beards from Broadway, and we're going into our final segment, which is take our. Thank you so welcome back to our final segment of our first ever podcast and it is Take Our Seats, just to let you know what Take Our Seats is all about so Take Our Seats is our way of reviewing the musical and giving it a rating, you can have rating choices of one of the following five you can have in the box are we going to sit in the box, is it just above everything else, is it first tier, amazing quality Or is it in the stalls? Is it a good seat? A great show, but you'd sit in the stalls. Is it the dress circle? It's a bit average. It's kind of in the middle part. Are you in the gallery? Is it not that great? Isn't it really up to the scratch of a normal standard musical and have we not really enjoyed it? Or is it in the ditch? Uh, we're putting it in the ditch. Now, in the ditch is something we reserve for the musicals that are terrible, right? In the ditch is the worst of the worst. So, for example, as I said earlier, Russell Crowe would be in the ditch, right? Um, he absolutely if he watching. were a musical, right? Um, so, we have to decide for today's show where we are going to sit for Les is and where we will take our seat. Okay, to kick things off, Matthew, over to you. <laughs> Where are you going to sit? Mean, you, can
1: probably, you can probably guess that I quite like this show. <laughs> um, I, I absolutely love it. I think it is a complete work of art. I am going to have to give it the highest rating
0: of In The Box. You're going to sit in the box? In the box seats? I am going to sit in the box, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well... I, I don't think you'll be on your own up there. I think I'll be joining you in the box. I think it is—it's got to be in that top tier. It, it, the stalls are great seats, but in the box is a, a real reserved token for the musicals that are just above grade. And *Lame* is—is, in my opinion, the god of musicals. It is the one that others should look to for advice. It just nails every single theme and character in their depth, in the, in, in the topics it discusses. Its music is moving, but funny, but thrilling, but charming. It has every aspect of music you could want. It is incredible. It is a pied de resistance. It is 10 out of 10. It is in the box. Yeah, I agree
1: completely.
0: So your final words Matthew on before we leave our lovely listeners, any final words (laughs) to depart them with? Um, Just a,
1: a major thank you for listening and like the theatre tradition
0: goes, we'll be leaving the light on for you. Just so you know, we're coming back. Of course, we will. So, from us here at the Two Beards on Broadway, it is a ta ta for now. We've loved having you, we've loved talking all things lame is. Thank you for joining me, Matt. Hey, you're very welcome anytime. And it's over to you for what is next oh, yes. week's broadcast on? So, I'm Producers! Okay, great shout. So, next week we'll be talking all things the producers. Thank you once again for tuning in. We will see you next week. It's a goodbye from me.